going the second mile. Genesis chapter number 37 and verse number 12. You've probably heard that term before, go the second mile. It comes from Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter number 5 of the book of Matthew. You probably have also heard to turn the other cheek. Maybe you've heard that term before. That comes from that same passage. We'll look into that here in just a little bit. We're going to find out tonight that Joseph, this man of God, was sent out by his father. And he not only went the second mile, but he went the third, the fourth, and even up to the 15th mile. We'll see what that means here in just a moment. But are you willing to go the second mile? Are you willing to go beyond what is required of you? Go beyond your duty. Genesis chapter number 37 and verse number 12. It says this, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. Let me teach you something real quick. Um, You're going to find that phrase in the Old Testament as you read your Bibles. You'll find that phrase many times over. Here am I. Or here I am. What that phrase is saying is it's saying, I'm all yours. It's saying, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Uh, you find uh, other people in God's word. Samuel says this. But it's saying, I'm here at your bidding. Whatever it is you want, I will do. So he's telling this to his father. Whatever you want, God, whatever you want Father. This is all, this, your wish is my command. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed thence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Father, we're glad to be here tonight. And Lord, we are thankful for this opportunity to learn and to gather some insight into your word. We pray that we will and that Lord... When we do, that, Lord, we will put it to practice. That, Lord, we will not be satisfied with just punching the time clock of our spirituality. But, Lord, we'll be willing, and not just willing, but excited and glad and happy to go the second mile for our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this good example that we have in Joseph that his life demonstrates for us a wonderful example on how we should walk, how we should live. May we, God, follow in his footsteps, but mostly in the footsteps of Christ. For he went more than any of us could ever go. And he left it all that he might die for us. And rise again on the third day. 
We thank you for that, Father. And we're internally indebted to you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When Jacob, when Joe, excuse me, when Jacob sent Joseph to Shechem, and he finds out that to find out where his brothers are at and how they are doing, Joseph works his way down to Shechem, and when he gets there uh, at Shechem, he finds nobody there. The Bible says he's in a field wandering around. The typical teenage boy, you know, just kind of wandering around. I mean, that's, that's about how old he was, about 17 years old. He's down there in that field, and he's wandering around. I'm sure most 17-year-olds, including myself at the time, would have said, mission accomplished, task complete. I've done what I've been told to do. Dad told me to go to Shechem to look for my brothers. They're not here. Oh, well, <laughs> too bad, so sad, I'm going back home. I'm tired, I'm wore out, and I want some of mama's good home cooking. I mean, he was just, I mean, that's the majority of people would have done. He fulfilled his obligation. He did his duty. But as I read the life of Joseph, I find out that the minimum was never enough for Joseph. The minimum was never enough. He always had to go one more mile. He was not content with just doing his duty, his responsibility. You know, we all have duties to fulfill, don't we? We all have obligations. We all have responsibilities. We all do things, in fact, out of duty, and I would suppose that in some ways, probably there's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure there are things in your life that you have to do on a daily basis that you might not go over and above out of your way to do, like maybe making your bed, you know. You might not change the sheets every single day, you know, and uh, I'm sure, I mean, if you do, I mean, I know we don't, you know. Uh, I'm sure you don't wash your sheets every day and go out of your way to, to make it look prim and proper. Maybe some of you ladies like to put those 15 pillows on the bed for some reason just to take them all off at the end of the, at the, end of the day. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I mean, we all have our duties. We all have our things that we do just because that is our responsibility that we need to do. But there are times in our life and many times in our life and I wonder if our lives are characterized by a life that goes the second mile. Joseph was always willing, and he had the responsibility to go the second mile. He had fulfilled his duty, he had went to Shechem, he had done what he was supposed to do, but he went the second mile, and he did something very interesting that most guys are not even willing to do. He asked for directions. <laughs> I mean, most people are too proud to even ask, which way am I going? Am I going the right way? Uh, wow, that could be really applied in a spiritual sense too, couldn't it? Do most people even ask, am I going the right way? Or are they just going to go about their own way doing what they want to do? But he doesn't do that. He stops, he asks a local, hey, where did my brothers go? And he says they've gone down to Dothan. Well, Dothan is not a mile away or two miles or five miles. Dothan is another 15 miles down the road, okay? 
And in those days, you just didn't jump in your, you know, your, your Ford or your Chevy or whatever you're driving or your Nissan and say, you know what, I'm going to go on down to Shechem in about five minutes here. No, it was either walk or get on the back of a horse or a donkey. I don't know what Joseph's mode of transportation was, but I'm assuming that it took him another day to get there. It was probably already late in the day, it was probably sometime during the day, but it took him another day journey to get down there to find where his brothers were actually at. And that is where it all really starts at. He takes that extra little journey to go find his brothers who, in all reality, don't even like him. I mean, can you go imagine just going to go find some people that you're like, okay, I'm going to go talk to these people, they don't even like me, why am I even going down there to see them? He gets there, and you know the rest of the story. But I ask you a question. Are you all going the second mile for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Or are we just punching the spiritual time clock? That's something that we all can be very guilty of doing. Do they even have time clocks anymore? They do? They do? Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering if they did or not. You know, I remember I remember I had one when I was working one time. It made that little noise on it and everything. You stuck it in there and it, you know, told you what time you was coming in and everything. 742 or whatever it was. I don't know. And uh, but anyhow, I, I just wonder, do we do we just pick up the spiritual time clock and say, you know what? Stick it into there when we come to church, you know, I did my church duty. I did my Bible reading duty today. I did my prayer duty. I did my duty today. I did my Christian thing that I'm supposed to do. If we all we do is read our Bible on a time clock, we're just punching the spiritual clock. If, all, if the only time we ever tell somebody about Jesus Christ is when it's a scheduled event, we're just punching the clock. We're not going the second mile. God has called us, like he says in Matthew 5.41, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, he says, go with him twain. Go with him double the amount two times. The first thing I want you to notice tonight about how are we going to go the second mile as believers is this, is that number one, always realize this, is that a believer always finds a way. This may be one of your favorite verses, but it's Philippians 4.13 where he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. A believer always finds a way. So you know who the father of lies is? Satan. Satan is the father of lies, John 8, 44. John 8, 44, Jesus said to, said to the Pharisees, he said, that, he said that, the father, that the father of lies is the devil. He is a liar and the father of it. And he will try to convince you at any point, at any time, when the going gets just a little bit rough, to go ahead, quit, give up, give in, and give out. That God doesn't really want anything to do with you. That this whole God thing is really ridiculous anyhow. It's not really profiting you at all. Just go ahead and give up. That's what the devil wants to preach in your ear. He wants to get on your little shoulder and get you down and get you depressed and get you down and out. And say just forget about it. 
I mean, come on, Joseph, those guys don't even like you. Why would you even go another mile? Come on, Joseph, those guys envy you. They don't want anything to do with you. Why don't you, you've already fulfilled your duty, then just kind of go on. I mean, come on, I mean, you fulfilled what you're supposed to do today. I mean, I mean, you, you went to church. Why do you need to do anything else spiritual? There's no reason to. You, you fulfilled your duty. Give up, give in, give out. Don't worry about doing anything else for God. You've done what is necessary. But I'm glad there's some Bible men and the Word of God that taught us, that teach us by their example that they were not willing to give up, give in, or give out even when the going got tough. What about old Noah? I mean, he was a preacher of righteousness. He was, him and his family were the only people left upon earth when it was all said and done that were living for God. Can I give you a heads up? There's more people in this room living for God than there was in Noah's time. Amen? Y'all get what I'm saying right there? There's a lot more people in America living for God than there is than there was in Noah's time. And we all need to realize that. That there's more Christians out there than besides us in this little church right here. There's more Christians inside than just in another little church down the road or another little church down the road down over here. There's many of us that are following after Jesus Christ, and Noah kept following God. He faced a rebellious and disobedient crowd, yet he never gave up, which in some time they were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. They were saved out of that water. How? By the ark. I'm, you know, David didn't give up, give in, or give out whenever he was challenged by his brother, the Israel army, Saul, and ultimately the Philistine. He never gave up. Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the king of Assyria, came to his city, Jerusalem, and told him that he was going to kill everybody if you don't give up. And what did he do? Did he give up? No, he just went to God and prayed and God got the victory. Nehemiah was put to the test by three men by the names of Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. I can't ever remember Geshem's name. I don't know why. It doesn't stand out as much. I don't know why Samballot would, but nonetheless, those three men tried to threaten him. They teased him. They misconstrued his statements. They threatened him and even tried to kill him, but he would not stop building the wall. Peter and Paul were beaten, but they wouldn't give up. They wouldn't give in. A believer always finds a way. A believer's life verse is always this one. They always put this one in their life verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Going the second mile is not an easy task. It's not easy to keep going. It's not easy to walk another 15 miles. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave us the ultimate example because he went the extra mile to the cross of our, to the cross when it says in Isaiah 50 verse number 7, "For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, I know that I shall not be ashamed." That was the that is the testimony of Jesus Christ. I mean his face was like a flint was like a hard rock. He was not moving off course. He was going all the way to the cross. Do you have such a resolution in your life? I'm going all the way. I mean, I'm going all the way with Jesus Christ. When God assigns a task, 
However, though, not like Satan. Satan lies to you. Satan tries to get you to give in, give up, and give out. But God always provides a way to accomplish the task at hand. God gives you the strength to finish the job that he's called you to do. He might give you five smooth stones. He might give you a prayer closet. He might put a trowel and a sword in your hand. Uh, Whatever he might give you, he will give you the strength to do it. And we got a lot of mothers in here. All you mothers in here, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, sometimes you get wore out. You get tired. Well, you know what? God's called you to be a mother. You say, how do you know that? You got kids. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and, and you know what? We've got several mothers in here that are in all different stages of motherhood. All different stages. But here's the deal, is that God has called you to that task. Do you think God is any less concerned about you being a mother as he was about David fighting a Goliath? No, sir, my friend, at all. God cares just as much for a mom as he does for David. God will give just as strength to a mom as he can to David. It doesn't matter to God Almighty. There is, God is no what? Respecter of what? Persons. What about you dads? I mean, us dads, I mean, what are we, what are we trying to do here? You think, that, you, think it's, you think that, you know, that God is just kind of looking at us dads going, you know what, I mean, I made y'all strong. I mean, that's all. <laughs> I, I hope y'all can make it. I mean, go ahead work by the sweat of your face. Get her done. Pull yourself by your, by your own bootstraps. Hey, that will last for a little while. But I'll tell you what, in the end, you're going to end up falling on your face. And you have to go to God. You think God was, is going to listen to you? You think God is going to listen to you any less than he listened to Hezekiah? You think Hezekiah had like a special inroad with God or something like that? No, my friend, the God is no respecter with person. A believer knows that he can find a way with God because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengtheneth me. With me. Whatever God puts you in. Wherever God places you, whatever God calls you to do. People saw that, and I go back to that word call. Some of you are like, well, I just don't know what God's called me to do. Well, look around you. You got kids? God's called you to be a parent. You got a job? Then God's called you that job. He's put you in that position so that you can work and maybe go the, go the second mile. Go the second mile as a mom. Go the second mile as a dad. Go the second mile as a pastor. Go the second mile as a Sunday school teacher. Go the second mile that wherever God has placed you. Because the Bible promises me this. Faithful is he that calleth you that also will do it. He will do it. I love the story of Derek Redman. It's one of my favorite Olympic stories. Derek had trained so hard for the Olympics, and he finally made it. He was one of the fastest runners on the Team USA. And in 1992, he was down in Barcelona, and he was about to run the 400 meters. That's one time around the track as fast as you can. The fastest guy in high school that I remember ran it, ran it in 50 seconds. The Olympians, they run them in the 40s, and I don't think he might be down in the 30s now. But off went the race, the gun was shot, and there they went. They went down the stretch, and about 200 meters, 
Derek felt something very terrible in the backside of his leg. It's called a hamstring. Has anybody ever pulled a hamstring before? Whenever you're in, you know, we're in sports or wherever, they say they're pulling a hammy, right? I mean, you just your hammy. I mean, that's one of your biggest muscles. It goes from the bottom of your knee, from your kneecap, all the way. Well, you know where, all the way up there. So, all right, stretches all the way. It's a big old muscle, and he heard that thing sound off like a shotgun, and he wasn't going anywhere. He was immediately put down. But a thought ran across his mind as the pain began to surge throughout his whole entire body and tears began to come out of his eyes. He wasn't crying so much because of the pain. He was crying because he had worked so hard and he was not going to finish the race. But he decided, I will finish the race. You can still look it up. It's It's a wonderful scene. He gets up from that track and he begins to hobble down the track. In fact, there was a stretcher and a crew that ran out to get him and he said, get out of here. He said, I'm finishing the race. About that same time, there was a chubby, large man that was running through the, through, the, through the stands, knocking people over, even knocked some security guards over. And suddenly, this large, chubby man jumps over the fence and runs out towards Derek. It was his dad. When he gets to Derek, Derek actually pushed him away because he was so focused and was wanting to finish the race. He said, I'm finishing the race. He said, hey, Derek, it's your dad. And he said, Dad, I didn't come here to quit. He said, I came here to finish. And he looked, Derek's dad looked at him and he said, we'll finish the race together. Derek put his arm around his dad and they walked down the rest of that 200 meters. 65,000 fans stood on their feet and clapped and cheered and cried as they watched those two men cross over the finish line. Just before they got there, Derek's dad let him go. And he collapsed into Derek's dad's arms as he crossed the finish line by himself. I can do all things through Christ. You think that if you even fall down on your face, do you think that your God is not strong enough to come out there and encourage you and pick you up? If an earthly father can show such great love towards his own son, how much greater of a love has our God for us? Amen. Does he not have a greater love for you? To pick you up? To encourage you? To gather you up? To help you on your way? And to even go the second mile? Secondly, let us notice this about going the second mile. We see not only is this that the believers will find a way, but secondly, secondly, is that worthwhile endeavors are always costing you something. If you're going to go the second mile, can I just go ahead and warn you? It's going to cost you a little something. It's going to cost you a little moolah, okay? It's going to cost you some money. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some energy. It's going to cost you some pride, maybe, okay? It's going to cost you something. David, whenever he was at the threshing floor of Aranon in 2 Samuel chapter number 24 and verse number 24, the angel of the Lord was standing there against him because he had sinned and by taking the census. And as he's standing there and he's going to offer this offering unto God, and Arana says to him, he says, you can have it for free, David. It's okay. Just go ahead and take it and get this thing over with. We're all about to die here. Amen? I mean, go ahead. And David says, nah, no, 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 no. He said, I'm going to pause for a second, Arana. 
He says, he says, name, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me, what? Nothing. He said, I'm not offering to God something that doesn't cost me something. I'm not going to offer to God something that I didn't have to pay for. I didn't have to get, I didn't have to sacrifice for. Service for God, I don't care what you're doing for the Lord, always, always, if it's true service, costs something. It costs something. And may I put this little caveat on the end of that right there and say, if it costs something, guess what? It's always worth it too, okay? No matter what it costs. It costs Joseph 15 miles, but you know what? It also cost him many years of his life in prison, falsely accused, in slavery. So that goes to show you that, yes, you know what? Yes, you might go the extra mile. Do you realize this? You might go the extra mile. You might listen to the words of Jesus Christ. You might do exactly what Jesus has to say. You might put it all on the line for Jesus Christ and thrust yourself upon his love and grace and, and in perfect faith follow God. And guess what? It still might not turn out all right. <laughs> what? What? I thought if we believed God and trusted God, I thought everything was going to happen. Everything was going to be okay. Tell that to the people that got fed to lions. Tell that to some of the Christians that got their arms pulled off by horses. You see, not everything works out. We're not live with pie in the sky type attitudes. And that just everything's going to be okay. That if I just dot all my I's and cross all my T's, that I'll just have this blissful Christian life. No, that might not be the case. But we do believe this, that we serve an almighty God that loves us and cares for us and who expects us to live as he even lived and who we would want to and desire to and we and we, and we long to please our God because we know he is worthy of all praise and glory and honor and every single mile and step that I can take for him. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost us something. That by going the extra mile, guess what we're doing? We're honoring God. We're honoring God. That's what David did. Or excuse me, that's what Joseph did. Joseph honored his father uh, by going the extra 15 miles down to Dothan to find his brothers. He honored his fathers. His father's command was, go find them, they're in Shechem. But his real command was what? Go find your brothers. However you got to get there, go find your brothers. He honored his father, and by honoring his father, he honored his heavenly father. I got a lot of kids in here tonight. That seems like a good place to preach to some of y'all, don't it? You know what? You honor your heavenly father by honoring your earthly mother and father. Honor thy father and thy mother. Have you ever thought about going the extra mile for mom and dad? Not just washing the dishes, but maybe cleaning up everything else around in the kitchen. Uh, not just maybe doing your chores that maybe mom and dad had said to, said to do, but maybe going be over and beyond and maybe doing a, a little bit extra, a little bit more, just kind of stepping out there and just saying, you know, I, I, I just really want to please my mom and dad. 
a heart to please. Man, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a church full of children that had a heart to please mom and dad? That's what they wanted to do. They didn't want to do everything on their own. or They didn't just want to do something so they could go do something else real quick. Or they could go, uh, go over here and have their entertainment and have a good time. But, you know, our culture today, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about have a good time, have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun. Well, I hate to tell you this, but somebody's got to finance the fun. Amen? And you do yourself a favor, I'll tell you right now, children and teenagers and and kids is this, is that you'll do yourself a favor if you'll go the second mile with mom and dad. Go the second mile. Honor them. Love them. David demonstrates this too. He demonstrates the fact that it's a worthwhile endeavor. is always going to cost you something. He says, I'm going to set this thing in stone. I am going to make sure that I pay for this threshing floor so that I can offer unto God. Remember the, the setting that is it here. You have a plague that's breaking forth upon Israel. Thousands have already died. And the angel of God is standing in Jerusalem about to slay the city. David isn't looking to build an altar so he can get a big house. David isn't looking to build an altar so that he can have godly children or that he can have a, a, a well-financed career or he can have a good IRA account or any of those kinds of things. David is looking to get right with God and to honor the Lord. He says, the only way that I can do that is by offering to God that which doth cost me something. Never, ever think to yourself. Hear me out here. Never think to yourself, I've gone the second mile but it didn't cost you anything. If it didn't cost you anything, you didn't go the second mile. You didn't go it. The second mile always costs you. Always. Time, energy, talent. Maybe it just costs you your pride. It costs something. You had to give up something. In order to get a little closer to God. And thirdly and finally. As Christians. If we're going the second mile. We have to believe that God will provide a way. We have to believe. That in going the second mile. There's a cost to be paid. But thirdly. The Lord himself is the one that calls us to be second mile Christians. Go ahead and turn, if you will, to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, and we'll close it up right here. Matthew 5 is the Sermon on the Mount, and I could preach a whole sermon just on this little section here, and I won't do that to you tonight because, well, that's not the point of the sermon. But of Matthew chapter 5, we read this famous statement of going the second mile in Matthew chapter 5 in verse number 38. You say 38, I thought it was 41. It is, but there's a whole entire context here. Jesus has given to us four illustrations of what we as Christians should do. He says, You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Excuse me. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him, take away that te- let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. 
What is Jesus telling us in this passage? Very simply, just what I've been saying the whole time, do more of you than what is expected. Do more than what's expected. He gives these four illustrations to prove that out for us very much so. And ironically, the whole passage is about retaliation. And that's exactly what Joseph didn't do when given the opportunity to be a retaliate and to express revenge upon his brothers. He didn't do that at all. Followed this Sermon on the Mount perfectly. But getting back to Jesus' point here, he's telling them to make sure you turn the other cheek. Now, Jesus is not saying, some have mistaken that, some pacifists have mistaken that, and this means that you just let people pummel you, okay? Or, you know, don't ever express any, uh, you know, outrage over anybody uh, hurting somebody else, or uh, make sure you, if somebody's even hurting your, some even go so far as some sickos even if somebody's hurting your family you know don't you can't do anything to them don't listen to that kind of stuff okay that's not what he's talking about here he's talking about retaliation he's talking about somebody that has done something to you now you're going to turn the other cheek what is the whole point meekness strength under control strength under control The old way was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You get yours and I'll get mine. But the new way says don't take back, don't fight back, don't take revenge. Don't take revenge. Go the second mile. Do more than is expected of you. The world expects, listen to me, the world expects if you hit them, what are you going to do? Hit them back. That's what the world expects you to do. That's what the world would want you to do as a Christian. You say, they want me to hit them back? Yes, they do. They want you to retaliate. That's what they're looking for. And it might not always be with a blow, with a fist, but it'll be with their words. And they'll say something to you to put you on edge and to try to get you mad and get you upset and try to get underneath your skin. You know what? Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. There's no reason to fight back. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's all on God for that thing. And then secondly, he says, if somebody sues you for your coat, give them your cloak. Now, that might not make a lot of sense to you right now. What's a coat and a cloak? Well, in those days, they would wear two of those things. They could have two different articles of clothing. A coat was their uh, inner garment, and the cloak was the outward garment that would protect them uh, when it was extreme heat, maybe, or maybe extreme cold. And he says, if somebody takes you to court, and for some outlandish reason, they want your coat, he says, make sure you give them your cloak also. Now, clothing was not in our days today. You didn't just go down to TJ Maxx or Marshalls, okay, and buy something else, you know, off the, off the rack at half price, okay? All right, that didn't happen, okay? You had to make your own stuff. It was very expensive. Many people didn't have many changeable suits of apparel, as Jesus points out about John the Baptist. But the point being is very perfect here, is that Jesus' doctrine is very astounding. Because nobody would have thought this way. The Jews, like most people, were very selfish and could not ever think of being so selfless. If they lost in court, they would reluctantly give them their coat. But to give them their cloak also? Come on, give me a break. But you know what that is? The second mile. It cost you something. Now, 
Let me just go ahead and preface this. I should have put this at the beginning on all four of these illustrations. Never think you're going the second mile if you've done wrong. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Never think to yourself, you know what, I've done, I, you know, I did wrong and then, uh, you know, and they took my coat and my cloak, you know. Well, yeah, you did wrong, okay. Maybe it was wrong for them to take both of those things, but you shouldn't have been in the wrong in the first place, okay. He's talking about being righteous. He's talking about you're doing what is right, you're doing what is good, you're doing as you're supposed to do, and still they come at you. And then he says if somebody tells you to go a mile, then go twain with them. It was a law in Roman society if the Roman authorities had a message, they could actually take somebody and you and commandeer a ship, a horse, a boat, a chariot, a donkey, or whatever form of transportation and actually make you go uh, a mile or make you go however far they wanted you to go. Jesus says, when you get to how far they want you to go, he says, go ahead and double it. Can you imagine a Christian shipman, captain, and they say, listen, bud, we're commandeering the ship and we're going to Crete. That's a pretty good ways from, from, from Israel. They get, on the, they get on the ship, they go to Crete, and he says, he says, all right, he says, uh, you ready to go down to, ready to go to Greece now? He says, what? Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to Greece too, right? Uh, no, no, we, we just needed you to go to, go, to, go to Crete, but you're going all the way to Rome, right? You're going, you need this letter to go all the way to Rome? Yeah, but we, what? What are you saying? You want to go another mile? You want to take it further? Yeah, yeah, let's go. What are we waiting on? What kind of testimony do you think that would have been to somebody? What kind of testimony would that have been for somebody to have acted in such a way? Most people would just get frustrated and mad about the delay of what it cost them, of how it hurt them, and they'd get offended, and they'd get upset, and they'd say, oh, I can't believe they did this to me, and I can't stand the Roman government, and all the things that they've done to me, and blah, 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 and they just get all mad and fiery, and all of a sudden, there's little white bubbles that come out the end of their mouth. You know what I mean? You talk to people like that sometimes, right? I mean, wouldn't it be great if some Christians just went the second mile? If they just went and went above and beyond what the call of duty was, finally it says if somebody asks to borrow you something, borrow something from you, then don't turn them away. In fact, later on, Jesus even tells them if they don't give it back, big deal. Just let them have it. Let them have it. There's some people that wouldn't let you borrow a branch from a burn pile to chase a lion. I mean... Well, that you bar nothing. You ever met people like that? I mean, they, they are the tightest, fistest people. They wouldn't let you bar anything. Jesus says that's not how we're supposed to act. We're supposed to go the second mile. All of these, especially that third illustration, is what I've been trying for, to teach us to learn tonight. Go beyond your duty. You know what, that might be to forgive somebody and love somebody that hasn't been too forgiving and loving to you. That's called going the second mile. That might mean reaching out to somebody to help them, even though, let's just be honest, they've never helped you and probably never will. 
That might be literally to let somebody borrow something and not expect it back and not get mad if it doesn't come back. That might be being gracious to somebody that's misunderstood you. That might be at your job or your workplace to go the extra mile. It could be somebody that's gossiped about you or slandered you or put you down in front of other people and embarrassed you. Are you still going to go the extra mile to love them? Will you? Have you gone the second mile with your finances? Have you used your finances for the glory of God and for his kingdom, for missions? Have you gone to the second mile in your witness? Maybe tonight, going back to the teenagers and to the, to the children. Maybe some of y'all need to go the second mile with mom and dad. Start doing more than what's expected. I could spend all night here with the practical with this. The point being is this, is that if you serve the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you say today, yes to any of those. I'm willing to go the second mile. Yes, it might cost me something, but you know what? It's worth it all in the end. Are you going to go the second mile? When you leave here tonight, will you go the second mile? Are you satisfied? And this is what I guess really hit me with when I was in this study. Are we satisfied with punching the spiritual time clock? And just saying, I fulfilled my duty. I went to church. Done with that. I studied. I came to Sunday school. I read my Bible. I prayed. Are we satisfied living like that? Are you going to serve God even if it hurts? Are you going to serve the Lord even if and when it hurts to serve the Lord? Let me let you know, in eternity, you will not be sorry that you serve God. You won't be. Go the second mile. Joseph went the second mile. He said, yeah, and he ended up in slavery. Yeah, but... If you know the rest of the story, he also saved his family, his entire family, all 75 of them. So yes, going the second mile does cost you. Yes, going the second mile many times is probably going to maybe be even hurtful. But when you go the second mile, you please the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's the best reward of all. That's the best reward. What might you end up accomplishing for the Lord if you just go one more mile? You say, I can't do it, preacher. I'm done. You know what? You're listening to the devil. You're listening to the devil. God never said you're done. When God says you're done... You're six feet under. Amen? I don't mean to be so blunt. 
but I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, you might even be in a belly of a well down in the bottom of the sea. <laughs> but God ain't done with you. Now, if somebody's telling you you're done, you're gone, it's over, give up, that's the devil. That ain't God. And you're listening to a lie. And we need to listen to God. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let's go to the second mile, amen?